Buckingham, and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this revolutionary message, the Archbishop shares the biblical importance of integrity. Discover how this important Christian discipline will empower and enrich your Christian walk. Do you need to break stubborn cycles and get release in prayer? Join the Archbishop at this year's Global Prayer Work Summit in Connecticut from the 19th to the 22nd of July. Register today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of empowerment for you. Be encouraged as you listen. I want to talk about integrity and I want you to see the difference between integrity and reputation because most of the things people call reputation, you see, most of the things we call integrity in the concept of man is, is rather a reputation. And, and so we want to get it right. So let's begin our journey by looking at what is integrity. Please write, integrity is God's testimony about you. Reputation is man's testimony about you. You got to get it clear. If you don't get it clear, that is the reason for the compromise and all the problems and the self-righteousness, being legalistic, being critical of others. is because you just don't get it. Reputation is man's testimony of you, how men perceive you, how they view you, what they think about you, and how they define you. But integrity is how God views you, sees you, perceives you and God's view or testimony of you and integrity also is an act of a heart it's an it's a heart issue integrity is a heart issue it's a heart issue now come with me if you please to Job the book of Job let, let, let's travel come with me a little bit to the book of Job the second chapter and the third verse Job 2 and 3 uh, can I just talk to you this morning? Can I talk to you? Alright, so I'm talking to you. Job 2 and 3. This is God setting Job up. And this is God making boast of Job. He's telling Satan, Satan, uh, I, I, I want you to know who Job is and what I think of Job. And have you considered him? Have you investigated him? Have you checked his CV? Have you checked him out? Have you seen the kind of individual he is? Or the material he's made out of? Have you considered Job? Go ahead. My servant. There is none like this guy in the earth. He's, the guy is upright and perfect in everything. One that feareth God. He reverences God. And is evil. Sons evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. You see, he said he holds fast to his integrity, even though you move me without a cause to destroy him. Now there is I can hold a camp meeting here. It means that. Satan can move people to destroy you without a cause. It means that you can suffer controversy without a cause. It means that you can be destroyed without a cause. So you don't have to be right 
and you don't have to be wrong to be destroyed. God said, you move me to destroy Job without a cause. So the enemy can move political powers without a cause to destroy you. He can move the media without a cause to destroy you. He can move parental authority, civil authority, spiritual authority. He can even move the powers and the authorities in the church to come against a member of the church without a cause. Because as long as God is concerned, if your reason for wanting somebody to be destroyed is envy or jealousy or anger or hatred or offense, it's no reason or basis before God why somebody must be destroyed. And I've seen people destroyed in this nation without a cause. I've seen people in church destroyed without a cause. It's one of the expertise of Satan when he sees a family or an individual doing well, he it provokes him to jealousy and therefore he will go to any extent to move the powers that be to come at you and to destroy you but let no man and woman under the sound of my voice be hurt or be destroyed in the name of Jesus by any satanic manipulations or arrangements say amen but God said even though you move me to destroy him without a cause and he's been through so much his heart towards me is still steadfast he still holds on to his integrity. He holds on to my testimony of him. He holds fast to how he looks before me than how he looks before men. We are so much concerned about what people say of us or how we look before men than how we look before God and than what God says of us. But I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have the testimony of God than the testimony of man. Somebody say yes. I don't know what you want this morning, but at the end of our race on earth, at the end of this race, when we have triumphed and finished and we are old and gray-headed and Jesus tarries, I want to be able to have the testimony of Elohim and one of the greatest testimony that we all must look forward to is the testimony when we stand before him and he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a testimony that is. I don't know about you, but that is what I look forward to. And, and Job in all his afflictions, in all his afflictions, he held on to God's testimony of who he was. God was never disappointed because God had testified of Job to the devil. And he said, I can boast of this guy. I know who Job is. This is my personal view or testimony of Job. That it doesn't matter what. He will not betray me. He will not speak ill of me. He will not curse me. What does it mean to curse God? To curse God simply means to speak ill of God. Is to speak ill of him or to blame, to blame God for the evil or the challenges or difficulties you are going through. What does it mean to praise him or to bless God? Blessing God and praising God means to speak well of him. And what the enemy wants is for you and I to start speaking ill of God. Doubting God cursing God, blaming God for the challenges of our lives. I don't know about you, but I think that somebody must give God a clap offering and a shout for his testimony.
Hallelujah. You know, many, many a times people think that people think that when when you 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 are a man or a woman of integrity, or we talk about integrity, you shouldn't have a problem. You, everything should be all right for you. You are joking. You are lying. You are joking. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, not the unrighteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. And then the Bible said, by much trouble or tribulation, we shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Too much tribulation. Problems. Controversies. Crisis. Persecutions. Shall we enter into the kingdom of heaven? So those of you who think that having integrity means a trouble-free life because people, I see too many Christians, they work so hard to have a good reputation. And they try everything to be in the good books of men to the point where they compromise their relationship with God because they want to be a good person. They want to be in the good books of men and women. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, if you want to be a spiritual man and a spiritual woman, be ready to be controversial. Because you see, when God tells you to do something, he doesn't take into account your circumstances and what people think. He, he, he doesn't live here. He lives in eternity. So if he tells you something, you have to work out the, the nitty gritty and the practicality of it. He has commanded you and that is it. You work out the rest. He doesn't care about what people think about what he has told you and the, what, the things you have to go through, the misrepresentation, the speculation. He has just commanded you and he expects you to comply and everything so, is subject to him because he's God by himself. Period. I mean, I was preaching the other day about Mary, the controversy surrounding the pregnancy of Jesus Christ, where Joseph traveled after engaging Mary, came back to town and heard that Mary was pregnant. And Mary's father and mother met Joseph at the airport and said, Joseph, how did you, why did you shame us and do this? You haven't taken our daughter to the synagogue. The priest hasn't blessed her. Why have you done this against the Levitical law? Our daughter is going to be stoned. Tell us who did it. He said, I'm innocent. How can you say you are innocent? When you are engaged to a girl, and you are the one talking to her every night. You've been going for walks with her in the garden, on, in the trees, by the seashore. Everybody sees you and you say you are innocent. Tell us. Mary, mother and father went to Mary and said, girl, what are you doing to us? It's everywhere in town. It's a shame and an embarrassment. Who did this to you? Mary said, the Holy Ghost. Hey! Abomination. Musuo. The Holy Word. Where is it written in the Bible that the Holy Ghost goes around impregnating people's fiancé? Mary, talk to me. So the mother said, Hey, could you talk to your daughter? I'm going. Talk to her. So the, the father said, Mary, don't worry. Tell me whatever it is. He said, Papa, it's the Holy Ghost. And the father said, Holy Ghost, how does it look like? I don't know. So how did he do it? I don't know. How did you, how do you know it's the Holy Ghost? The angel said the Holy Ghost. Hey! And you are laughing and looking at me that way, but she was going to be stoned to death. Then the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, take responsibility of it. It's the Holy Ghost. Hey! Angels! You are coming to tell me in my dream my fiance is pregnant and that I should take responsibility when I didn't do anything and the Holy Ghost did it. Tell the Holy Ghost to take responsibility, not me. <laughs> you think serving God is easy, eh? 
It's not, I'm telling you. I remember about 20, about maybe 25 years ago, we were then at the trade fair, and I was flying coming to town, and the Lord said, when you come back, move the church from the trade fair to the new site. And I said, new site where? There was nothing here. And he said, go there, start the foundation, set up tent, move the church there. And so I called a meeting with some of my board, discussed the thing with them, it became an argument in parliament. So I had to veto the decision and abolish parliament on further notice. And I moved the church here. I brought a friend of mine. I said, I need some money. He wrote me a check. I got the contractors. We started building. We laid foundation. We put a tent. We were, we're worshiping here. And six months after, the trade for authority said by direction that no church should be allowed to hold a, a service there. We were six months ahead of them. We had already moved here. And when we moved here, there was nothing here. All of you who, who lived on the Sprinters Road, if you have to really be honest, all of you have to pay dues to this church. Because before you came here, there was nothing on this road. This whole place from, from shop right to the main, what do you call it, Sakumara Junction. There was nothing here. Regimano, Airport Hills, all those things. It was the Bank of Ghana Warehouse and Springtex. Those were the only two things. There was nothing here. We lost over a thousand people to other churches in town. And people were making mockery of me that I miss God because I lost people. Today, every church is looking for property on this road. Now, that was very controversial. But I'm telling you, I had integrity before God because I had heard the voice of God. And even though it didn't look right and it didn't look good in the sight of man, before God, I knew my heart was right and my motive was right because I wasn't doing anything for myself and from, for my own glory, for my own benefit. I was obeying direction from head office. I don't know who testimony you want but I want the testimony of God come with me to Mark chapter 10 verse 29 to 30 I want to surprise some of you look at something here Mark chapter 10 29 and the 30th verse uh-huh verily I say unto you there is no man that has left a house so hear me in serving God well sometimes you have to leave a house look at it mm -hmm. house or brethren when I got born again I lost a lot of my siblings it's just written years that some of my siblings have come to know the Lord but when I got born again it, my, my conversion was so radical because I was, I was a radical myself. When I got converted, the thing was so radical that my father looked at me and said, I was not the baby. He said, I was sweetie at the end of the sorry. So my father went to church. He came to Pentecost to really find out if I'm serious. One day I was going to church. I said, Hey, what's up, Abraham? Who called him? He said, I'm sorry. So he followed me to church. My father. And my brothers and sisters, they didn't believe that this guy has changed. Because I was so some way, and my conversion was so radical that I quit everything. 
I gave up everything. My shoes, I used to wear some high shoes, eh? And I used to put light. And when you enter the disco whilst we are dancing, you will see red light and green light on the stone when we are digging. You know? The thing was so some way that when I got born again, it was terrible. I have to lose brethren. And some of my siblings, so I didn't know, you know. No, so what you're suffering to know she. I mean it was radical I lost brethren sisters I wasn't going to parties I wasn't partying I wasn't doing everything that I was doing with them before I literally lost them and in losing them I gained new brethren and I gained new sisters which is you you are my family go ahead Brethren, sisters, father. When I got one, my father had issue with my my convention. My father, I used to pray in tongues, crazy. Sometimes seven hours I'll be praying. I remember I was in London with Prophet Gideon the other day, and B. M. Menzies, uh, his former wife Peggy Mensa. Peggy was telling him how I used to disturb Mr. B. M. Mensa and her. And she said, this guy, he, wait, he said for years, three o'clock, he will go to the rooftop and he will pray five hours and we can't sleep, this guy. He said, I watched him for years, years. Every three o'clock, he was at the rooftop. You know what I was doing? I was giving birth. And my father used to say, that language, Hey, Nicholas, why Nicholas? My father was away. I'm telling you, that guy was in a joke. And he'll tell, he'll call Dr. Nyako and say, Hey, what's up? 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 So we made a deal. We made a deal. He moved me from the main house and he gave me a land next door and I built my own house there. On his land. I built my house there. And that was where I was releasing the tongues. Me free tongues can't you. I started a long time ago and I won't stop. Amen. But a lot of Christians don't understand. So we think that serving God is just simple. It's not. See this. You got to lose something to gain something. I lost my father when I got born again. Go ahead. My mother, my mother was going to some church. She was a Catholic. And me and her, I told her, if you won't get born again and join my church, I'll honor you, I'll respect you, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. And for years, me and my mother were on good terms. Because I was very passionate about what I believed. It was very zealous. I didn't use wisdom in some areas. I made some mistakes. But now I have come of age. And we've gone past that. But it was serious. And I lost it. Go ahead. Or wife. Or wife. Don't marry for love. Marry for purpose. Because if you marry for purpose, purpose will keep the marriage alive. 
attracted. Don't marry a woman who is in love with you, but is not in love with your purpose. Because a woman that is in love with you and is not in love with your purpose will contend and compete with your purpose. And your purpose is what keeps you alive. And your purpose is what you shall answer to God when you stand before God. And if you marry a woman who loves you but she's not in love with your purpose, she will kill your purpose. Prophet, the sisters are there. They are believing God for you. But make sure they are in love with your call. Because if they are not in love with your call, and people keep calling you, and you are in ministry, you are following Papa, you are ministering all over the place, you will see manifestations. Look, let's go ahead. Or children. Children. Sometimes children can become obstacles if you can't command them. I'll show you a scripture in the Bible. Any man who can command his children, you are not a man. If you're a father, you can't command your wife and your children, you have lost it. You are impotent. I was telling them at the first service that today children get up and say, Give me my right. I want my space. And I say, you want what? Right? Space. You of age. Do you know what your mother went through? When I give you Christmas gift, it's not a right. It's a privilege. It is not a right. It is a privilege. So have an attitude of gratitude. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I have an attitude of gratitude here? You can look at me any way you want to look at me. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Or lands. Or lands, 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 lands. When we were building this church, people gave their lands, sold it, and gave us the money to build this church. Lands. Go ahead. For my sake. For my sake. Things you do for the sake of God. Not for your sake. Not for a selfish reason. But for God's sake. The cause of God and the gospel. God said, a hundredfold is in the line. With what? We don't want that one. That one we don't want it. How many of you are expecting a hundredfold return from God? Wave at me. Some of you are not sure because you don't want persecution. It will come with persecution. Controversy. You hear me? Hundredfold. And the persecution will also be hundredfold. He said what? Persecution or persecutions. Plural. And in the world to come, eternal life. So can you have integrity and go through persecutions? Yes! Yes. Can you have integrity before God and be ostracized by society? Yes. 
Because integrity is the condition of your heart. So God, I'm struggling. I'm feeling some way. When I see that man, and when I see that chick, I feel some way. And yet, my heart is perfect before God, but my flesh is struggling. You know, Papa Higgins said something. Let me give it to you. He said, he went to heaven. And an angel of the Lord, some of you are looking at me some way because you're struggling with something and it's okay. <laughs> Tell somebody, God understands. God understands. I know you're struggling with something, so it's okay. It's all right. No problem. I'm not going to kill you anyway. That's why I say, don't trust anybody who hasn't been tested and tried. When you are going through your problem, don't trust them. They'll kill you. I talk to only people who have been through what I'm going through and survived. I'm done. I won't talk to you. Now, Papa Hagin went to heaven. An angel of the Lord took him up and showed him. And the angel took him to the archives in heaven. And he was reading about the heroes of faith. And when you see, anywhere you see good report, they obtain good report. That word good report means God's testimony of them. And he saw all this good report about David. So he said, where is the Belsheba and the Uriah Hittite? Uriah the Hittite. Where is that story here? It's not here. And angels said, we don't keep record of those things here. We don't want keep record of those things in heaven. Ah, I feel something. I feel like my, my water is broken. And the baby's position is ready now to come. Okay, Genesis 18 and 19. Genesis 18 and 19, quickly. I know him. Now, this is God testifying of Abraham. I know him. Go ahead. That he will plead with his children. He will suggest. He will reason with them. Because they are 18 years old by law. So he will reason with them. He will what? When is Christmas in my house? My, some of my kids are married. When is Christmas time? Whether you are married, you are not married, you and your husband and your wife, where I decide we are spending Christmas is where everybody comes. So if you want to marry in my house, you must know, it doesn't matter who you are as a man or a woman. If you marry my son or my daughter, when is Christmas, I determine where Christmas. If I say we are going to Cape Town, everybody goes to Cape Town. Even though you are a husband and you have children. Now, I can be very reasonable. I can choose to allow you. But if I also choose not to allow you, you have to comply. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You see, God made a, prof, a promise to Abraham and this was the condition to fulfill that promise. He said, because I know the God, this is my testimony, that I know Abraham. I know he lied. I know he said Sarah was the wife when he was the sister. Uh, the sister when he was the wife. I know he took a guy. I know everything about this guy. But I am telling you that his heart towards me is perfect. I'm not judging him based on his shortcomings. I'm judging him based on the testimony I have of him as God. And I know his heart. This guy is devoted to me. He's crazy about me to the extent that even when he's dead, his children will obey. 
obey his command to walk in my ways so that what I have promised Abraham may come to pass. God's ability to fulfill his prophecy towards you is determined by your ability to command your children and your family. If you're a man and you can't command your wife, you've lost it. That was the problem with Adam. Adam did not command Eve. And we are still praying for it. Father Adam, command her. He said, if I command her, I won't get honey. So he sacrifices all for honey. At this sense, I say honey. Honey is in the Bible. So don't look at me without your religious look. Amen. That was the problem. Adam refused to command. And every woman must allow your husband to command. And husband, you must learn to command. Because women don't marry women. They marry men. And women love to be command. They love a man who can command them, but still love them. You command and you say, baby, baby, I love you. You know I do, girl, I do, but I still got a command. All right. Okay, let me show you another scripture. Job 2 and 9. Job 2 and 9. Mm-hmm. Aha! You see? This is Job's wife saying, Job, you, eh? You, after everything you've been through, you've lost 10 of your children. One day, a strange wind came from the wilderness, killed all your children. You woke up bankrupt, lost everything, and you still hold on to God's testimony about you. Why don't you just disappoint God? Cast him, speak ill of God. Blame God for your woes. Say anything you want to say. Cast him, die. The devil knows that he can't kill us until we curse God. You cannot die till you curse God. Tell, turn to someone and say, don't curse God. Lest you die. Satan said, curse. The wife said, curse God and die. He said, Job, after everything you've been through. You see, there are people. And I know, I know, uh, Gideon was in my office and I was talking to a guy. And he said, Papa, you know, he had a lot of money. And he said, when you can go to a boardroom meeting with all these powerful politicians and people, and a decision is taken and you can just put 10 million dollars on the table and things begin to move for you and you don't fast you don't pray and everything is moving the planes are moving things are moving cars are moving everything is moving you haven't fasted and prayed it's so powerful and he said he was sitting in the garden here with me years ago and we were just chatting in the evening and suddenly i said to him i said son i see a strange wind coming and it's going to blow and carry you away and you lose everything you have and it will take you years to come back again and that time he said kino was there he said he said papa i didn't believe what you said because i was loaded i had it <laughs> you had it okay lost it all still fighting to come back again and he can say papa this time i've learned my lesson just pray release me and you'll be you'll see what i'll do because he said it's so tempting when you have it to release it to the house to the church the problem a lot of people have there are people even who believe that when you give to the church satan will attack you 
when you give you to the church, you have problems. And there are certain people who don't even pay corporate tithe or even personal tithe because they don't want the church leadership to know how much they have or how much they make. So they hide it. And that is a problem of personal integrity with God. You don't have a personal integrity. You are playing with your personal integrity with God and the testimony of God of you. And the only thing that will save you in the day of trouble when man, where money can save you is God's testimony of you. When Ezekiah was told he would die by the prophet, he didn't tell the prophet to pray for him. He went to God and said, God, you know the testimony you have of me. You know. My testimony and integrity is before you For all that I've done for the house of my God And God said, Ezekiah, you are right Fifteen more years be added unto him And God healed him So your personal testimony God's testimony of you Is important than all the world And everything that the world can offer you And it doesn't matter what Don't compromise that Because that is the only thing that will save you On your dying bed that is the only thing that will deliver you when money can deliver you. Is God's testimony of you when you make reference to that one that can bring you out of your situation. That was what brought Job out and gave him twice as much as he had before. Now, hear me. Let me tell you something here. I don't want you to feel condemned because that is not the purpose of my message. So I don't want anybody to feel condemned. So I'm going to try and make it light for you. Do, do you know that what really surprised me how many of you have heard about Samson? Samson, do this. Samson, if you've heard about Samson. Do you know that Samson guy who was, checking, who was chasing all the chicks in town, his name was in Hebrews 11? Samson. And then the first high priest of Israel, Aaron, his name is not in Hebrews 11. Because you see, the names you find in Hebrews 11 are names of people God testified of them. That word, obtain good report. What does it mean? So it means that you can have all kinds of problems and issues and character flaws and everything and yet God can have a testimony or can have a good testimony of you. Go to Hebrews 11 and 31. Look at something there. The what? Ah, but why don't we just remove the halot and put Rahab? The what? Did what? Uh huh. Are you hearing me? The what? God. And I told you that any name you see in Hebrews 11 are the names of people God Himself was testifying of them for what they did for Him and the cause of His house and His church. We call them the heroes of faith. How can Rahab? She slept with every guy in town. I mean, the girl was just bad. She was just a bad chick to make it practical for you. And God said, the what? The what? Did what? Perish not. She was supposed to perish. If you look at her lifestyle and everything she was doing, she ought to have perished. But God said she did not perish because of something she did for the cause of God. And she came into the line, the bloodline of Jesus, and became the mother of Boaz. Say, Boaz. Do you know who Boaz's mother is? Eh? The harlot of Jericho. 
Then Boaz didn't go and marry some good-looking, heavy, righteous, holy chick. But went and married Ruth, a Moabitess, born out of incest. Gave birth to Obed, and Obed to Jesse, and Jesse to David. And God is calling all these people righteous. Which means that integrity has to do with your heart. Not the things you do physically. So you have to be careful how you condemn people. Because God is looking at their heart to weigh them and to give testimony of who they are. See, I hear you. Come quickly to Hebrews 11 and 39. Hebrews 11 and 39. I want to show you something there quickly. God testified of all these people. Rahab, every one of them was there. They received not the promise. What was the promise? Jesus. None of them saw Jesus. None of them lived to see Jesus. Now, I need some people to come. Osafo, come. You to come. Give me some microphone. Going to do some relay right now, okay? Okay, I need, I need, give me umbra. I don't need a woman here because we are going to run. So, okay, okay, Osavo, you stand here. Uh -huh. You stay, but if you to stand here, okay. Going to do a relay here now. When I say go, this is what we do. Esani unupakbeyo. So make sure he gets it And you delay Make sure he gives it to Bishop Before you give yours to him He has to lose He has to win uh, You hear me? So go And run to Osavo, You can't run uh -huh. <laughs> You see Now <laughs> the, the, the prophet didn't want to read now, now, now watch this. Who won? Who won? Did he win? Yes, he won. Because you see, they are in the same team. So even though he didn't get to the end of the race and he did not win, because he passed the baton over to him and made it possible for him to get to the end, they won together. So it's a win-win thing. What am I saying here? All these heroes of faith didn't see Jesus. They didn't obtain the promise, but they all did what was expected of them, held to their integrity before God to make it possible for Jesus to come so you and I, who didn't do what they did, may see Jesus and the fulfillment of the promise. So together, we all win. And who lose? Satan loses. Now, what is these other people are not Satan, no. they are all part of the race, they also are part of the race. But what happened was, even though they were all part of the race, he won and was first in the race, whilst others came second in the same race. But the only reason why he came first was because 
Obodain was swift, was fast, was diligent, was steadfast, held to his integrity, and God testimony of him that gave him an acceleration. Are you hearing me, somebody? To pass the baton over. So there are others who are waiting for you and I to hold on to our integrity, to be steadfast, not to get discouraged, not to get offended, not to quit, not to leave the church, but to move on and go on so that we pass it on to our children so that what we don't see, they will see the fulfillment of it. Shout, clap your hands, stand on your feet, give God praise. You know, when I see, when I see guys that I have affected doing well, like Bishop Doug, when I see people like Robert and Pierre Kofi, like Steve, uh, Steve and Stanley, mentioned them, they were in my house yesterday, brought me some gift and came and blessed me with some money. When I see these guys doing well and doing things that I am not doing, and things that I haven't done. It blesses me because my ministry is to make sure they do what I couldn't do. Empower them to achieve goals I couldn't achieve. I didn't go to university. I didn't even go to secondary school. And I'm not embarrassed to say that because I'm a testimony of what the grace of God can do. So I'm, I, don't, I don't worry about it at all. Are you hearing somebody? I don't, that, that is not my issue at all. Uh, I am not embarrassed at all to say that I have no education and I have no classmates. So it, it really doesn't bother me at all. So don't, I'm, I'm not embarrassed at all because I'd rather be what I am by the grace of God. I didn't go to university. My kids have been to some serious universities. I am financing them to have what I didn't have. To go where I haven't been and where I couldn't go. That is what is, life is all about. Your responsibility, my responsibility, is to create a better church for our kids. Make this church greater than we found it and we build it for our kids, the next generation. So that when the next generation comes, they will experience God at the level you and I couldn't experience and didn't experience God. So we have a responsibility towards the next generation. And therefore, we must do everything to make sure that we obtain a good report of God. And obtaining a good report from God is a condition of your heart and your devotion to him and the things you do for his house with the right motive and with the right mind. Whenever you give, God doesn't look at what you have given. He looks at what you have left because God knows exactly what he has done for you and how much he has blessed you with. And if what you give doesn't reflect what he has done, you are cheating and you are mocking God. Look at two people and say, don't cheat and don't mock God. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven. 361 5111.
once again. Thank you for joining the Archbishop today. And may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.